The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelloncpa.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highecheloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by High Echelon PC, Blue Pineapple Travel, Elemental Altitude Training Center, and Most Pleasant Exhaustion Coaching. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete in Atlanta, Georgia, a mom of three girls, and a CPA. And we have with us on the podcast today a very special guest that I'm super psyched who is going to be telling us all about his experience at the Ironman World Championship, Joseph McLeod. Joseph, welcome to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. Hey, George. Thanks for having me. So, Joseph, uh, I was saying you have the honorable distinction of being a longtime listener to this podcast, right? Yes, I've been listening over the years. Um, I'm a runner, triathlete. I, I like how this podcast breaks down the the technical aspects and reviews, uh, performances from uh, people who are trying to get better. I, I feel like some podcasts uh, go way too in depth, uh, almost on like an elite level. And 
just as a, an everyday amateur, I find this podcast very enjoyable. Awesome. And you're a Georgia Tech graduate. We got to appreciate that as well. Yeah, go Jackets. <laughs> right on, right on. Um, of course, the reason why we brought you here is first and foremost, because you're you're an all-around good guy, Joseph. Um, uh, but second, because you competed in the Ironman World Championship on September 10th, which was held for the first time in Nice, France. Um, so congrats. Let's not bury the lead. Um, you, uh, you, you finished the race, you did 11, 56, 27, you finished 179th in your age group, 904th overall. You said this was actually your slowest of all the various Ironmans that you've done. Um, but kind of, I guess a good place to start is to tell us a little bit about your history and, and how you qualified for Nice. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll give you a little background on that. My, I guess to go way back, my intro into triathlon was starting as a runner just to lose weight. And after I ran my first marathon, that was the first year that they had the half Ironman in Augusta in 2009. And Mm -hmm. I borrowed a roommate's road bike and completed that and had a friend uh, who was part of the Atlanta Triathlon Club do it too and he passed me on the second half of the run and I was walking <laughs> and I just said I'm doing that club next year so I joined that club in 2010 made a lot of friends met you along the way mm-hmm. um, got involved in the uh, Atlanta triathlon community as a whole with all the groups and uh, did multiple Ironmans I think after maybe two or three I thought hey, maybe one day I can qualify for Kona. And uh, fast forward to 2022, I did Ironman Chattanooga and had a great PR there. And I was actually the first person in the overall standings who missed the Kona slot. Uh, (laughs) And I never thought I would be in that uh, spot before. So the plan was to go back to Chattanooga in 2023 and try to qualify for Kona in 2024. And, and I guess late 2022, they announced the split venues and I w- went on a run for you with you. And I think I jokingly said, Hey, it's just a matter of time for the email pops up mm-hmm. that they're, they're going to try to fill all the slots and they retroactively add me one. And, the email showed up and I thought that I was going to turn it down and be corner or bust and started thinking about it more talking to my wife. We have a, a one-year-old little girl and we want to have more kids and realized that, you know, a trip to Hawaii probably wasn't going to be possible in the even years because if things go as planned, we'd be having more kids then. So, mm-hmm. uh, we discussed it with our employers and they said, Hey, yeah, we'll give you the time off. And so I took the slide and went over and did the race. Awesome. Very cool. Which, um, let's see, Ironman Chattanooga, uh, in 2022, your qualifier race, how many Ironmans had you done before you did that one? Uh, 10. So Chattanooga 2022 was number 11. Number 11. And so this, and this was number 12, right? Had you done one? This was number 12. Yeah, this was number 12. Mm -hmm. So it was going to put me in the legacy. Actually, Mm -hmm. one of the caveats is that the legacy, um, 
they changed the verbiage on it. So Kona is still in the cards for the legacy. It's hmm. uh, the legacy reads that you have to have done, not done the world championships in Kona, Hawaii. So, okay. um, you know, I, I'm planning on not racing a full for a long time, but it's nice <laughs> to know when I do want to do that, I can apply for legacy and okay. validate and cross mm-hmm. that off the list. Right on. Very good. Very good. So kind of a nice twofer there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It served yeah. as two races. Cause I thought with Chattanooga, uh, in 2023, I was like, well, if I don't qualify there, I'll put be in the legacy band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were you already training for, so you mentioned that you were going to go back to Chattanooga here in 2023 again, in order to try yes. and qualify for Kona 2024. So you were already kind of in Ironman training mode when you got that email, right? It's not like you were like, oh, snap, I got to get in shape for an Ironman. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was thinking that that was going to be the plan. Um, you know, one of the reasons I think I've been sustainable at racing this many Ironman races is I really enjoy cycling outdoors. I have a good group of guy friends who I like to ride with, and that's how we catch up socially um the same thing with running i have a good group of friends that i like to run with so i feel like uh you know about the time uh it starts to warm up outside in atlanta and i'm ready to get on my bike uh it's time for triathlon season and about Mm -hmm. the time that it's cooling off and i don't want to be feel like dumb and dumber uh <laughs> with the wind chill i'm ready to get off my bike and start running with my friends yeah. Very that's good. awesome um so you said leading into chattanooga in 22 that was a pr iron man for you um what did the training look like once you decided to take that spot in nice um were you hoping for another pr or was it really just kind of keep it status quo and be prepared to go compete at world world championships um you know, I I really didn't know. I, I so I've heard lots of things look, about the bike course in Nice. So oh, yeah, we're gonna, yeah. I need to talk about that, but I just want to know the build into yeah. it. Like, <laughs> so I'll I'll kind of go through the training for that. So most of I, I live in Woodstock, Georgia. Okay. I have a lot of friends who train for the race, and they would go up to the gaps. Um, with my wife being as supportive as she is with triathlon i try to not be gone all day saturday so i tend to ride from my house a fair bit so that usually means not an hour drive to cartersville or the gaps to go ride my bike um it's usually out my front door um so i didn't most of my rides that had climbing i would ride from loop from Woodstock up through ball ground and go over Burnt Mountain, which is a little bit north of Jasper and come back past Big Canoe and wind through Milton and back home. And that which was is hilly, kind of the, which is, which is definitely yeah, hilly. And, and there's it, a proper climb in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about 8,000 feet of climbing, which that's what Nice showed on the course. <laughs> the big difference with um, Nice is Nice just went up for about the first 30 miles. You were just going climbing. And here, you know, we have many rollers where I can carry my momentum from uh, 
you know, short climb over short climb, where there it was just sitting, sitting and climbing. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't feel like I had my gearing wrong for the bike. Uh, I ran a, a, I had a standard front crank, the 5339, and uh, a rear cassette. I put a 34 four tooth cassette on my rear so i never felt That's like big. i ran out of gears mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it it was once if you look at the elevation on your phone it it just seems like a climb and then it flattens out but if you put it on a computer screen you realize wait it's still got some climbs after that first <laughs> climb <laughs> so when you were preparing for needs compared to the other 10 11 ironmans would you say the big focus was on being prepared for the bike there like the swim and the run might be... yeah that that was probably my biggest focus you know i i feel like even for the one i pr'd on you know ever since i, I got married in 2021 i feel like it's those two races have been the least amount of time I've put into an Ironman just because I haven't been able to train like I was when I was single and just go sense. run my bike all day. <laughs> yeah. Which is, um, which is as it should be. <laughs> yeah. yeah keep going. So I guess my philosophy has been get as fit as possible for the bike and, uh, you know, hold on for the run. <laughs> and sure. for this one, um, yeah, I, I probably put more time in the on the bike i didn't run as much as i have in the past um okay i want to back up a second there was a lot of we just had the women's race in kona and there was a lot of talk about what is it going to be like to be like an all-women's event and you know are we going to miss the men is it going to be better for us was there talk like that from the men going into nice like were you guys wondering what it was going to be like to just have an all men's event and would you miss the women like was there any of that or is it only like are women the only ones trying to figure that out <laughs> i don't i don't think that uh i didn't really even think about it from that aspect I knew uh, it. <laughs> yeah and you know i think the race i didn't really think of it, it. i i had a healthy perspective i knew i wasn't gonna win the race <laughs> so yeah <laughs> Yeah, so it was more of let's go enjoy this. Um, we set up the back after the trip to have some travel around Europe. So, um, you know, honestly, some of my focus, it wasn't focused on who's going to be there. Um, it was more of like, hey, this is this is more of an event we're doing versus a race. So mm-hmm. I wasn't focused on who, what, like if men or women are going to be there. I, you know, I think the only big difference that I saw that happened at Kona that didn't happen in Nice is we didn't have an underpants run because uh, oh, I don't think all the guys Good. want to see it. I don't, I don't know, maybe the yeah. European men wanted to, but uh, no, the underpants uh, run is stupid anyway. We are, like, yeah, we're, I, I, I'm not we're a not fan. Fans. Yeah, so so I I I think that improved the event to me. That's that's a sweetener to go to Nice and stay away from Kona. Um, um, yeah. Uh, did you but, feel like it was a world championship though? Like, did it have the vibe of like, did you get that whole experience? That's, yeah. I guess that's kind of what I'm asking. Yeah, I did. I, I felt like uh, it did. I've raced in 70.3 worlds a few times. Granted, both of those times have been one time in Vegas, another time in Chattanooga. And, you know, we, at the beginning, uh, the first day I arrived, they had the parade of nations going on and, um, you know, there were, I, th- 
I, I remember coming down the finish line and this this guy asked me how much further we had to go and I told him I said I think we have a six uh half a little over a half mile and he said how how far is that in kilometers and I was like I don't know maybe a kilometer ago and he told me it was from Kuwait and oh, uh wow. yeah and I asked him how many triathletes they had there and he said 30 <laughs> and <laughs> so yeah it, it did feel like a world event and that aspect but there was also a lot of I think the largest country represented was the U.S. there. I think there were like 400 men from the U.S. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah, talk to me a little bit about, and, and we don't want to belabor this too much, but but I know that you said that when you initially got the email from Ironman saying you're invited to the Ironman World Championships in Nice, you you, you kind of said, no, nah, I don't really want to do this um, because I've always envisioned myself competing in the World Championship in Kona. Um and and you still want to compete in Kona one day, um, which which I think is great. And it's 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 a great goal. Um, but was there? I mean, and this is I guess maybe an extension of, of of Michelle's question just now. Was there any sort of kind of disappointment either for you personally or just sort of the overall ethos of the place that well this isn't Kona? Um, or did you hear other people um, talking about that or anything? I don't think so. You know. Once I looked at the race, uh, I went back. So it's interesting. They have a full Ironman in Nice, and mm-hmm. we almost did the exact same course as it, as that. It's held in July. Mm-hmm. And I went and pulled up the promo video for those years, and it just looked beautiful. I mean, the swim is in the bluest water I've ever seen, and then – you're riding up in the French mountains and I'm a big fan. I love watching tour de France. I know you do too. And mm. to, I, you know, I've always thought it'd be fun to go ride my bike in France. So this was that mm. opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know, the run might not be the energy lab at Kona, but it looked like, Hey, it was going to be scenic. And mm. if you came off the bike at, two o'clock in the afternoon it was about 90 degrees and uh yeah when i came on i think i came off the bike around three right when i hit transition uh sam lelo was crossing the finish line so i got to hear him announce as the winner which was neat because usually at the other world championships events i've done is you're asking people who won but it was like oh wait i got to hear him come across Mm -hmm. but that first loop, the the run was uh, three and a half mile out and back four times. And the first loop, I was suffering in the sun. And then by my, about going out on my second loop, the sun had gotten a little bit behind some condos and definitely by the end. Um, the key is if you, if you finish after the sun goes down, it's not as hot. But uh, <laughs> some people don't want to do that. Well, you <laughs> got the Hawaii heat vibes. <laughs> yeah yeah it evidently went, yeah it yeah like knees it. got the memo from kona that it's <laughs> yeah. supposed to be hot right yeah yeah um, it but not walk in the park after the bike <laughs> yeah no clearly not well so i think that's interesting because one of the things about the the championship being in nice now which i and i think this is a good thing um and one of the things that ironman has said and lots of other people who are analysts of the sport have said is that this actually is a good thing because now somebody will have the opportunity to win the world championship, even if they're not necessarily great in hot weather, 
right? Because Kona is so much yeah. about being able to to stand that weather. And and some people have made the argument, well, that's not entirely fair if if um, a somebody is a really good triathlete, but yet just crumples in in hot weather because they're bigger or they have a swim background or whatever it happens to be, right? Or from the, or they're yeah. from a cold country. Um, and so so. Yeah, I think one of the real selling points for Nice is that that weather wise, it was going to be milder and that was going to open up the 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 potential winning, the potential winner to a wider variety of people. But if it was 90 degrees when the run started, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, the the bike, I will say when we were up in the mountains, it was noticeably cooler. I'd say it was about in Fahrenheit, 10 to 20 degrees cooler than it was down on the, the coast. Mm-hmm. But uh it was also interesting, you know, just kind of moving away from the temperatures on the run course. Uh, you know, the bike course at Hawaii is just, you know, one turn. And yeah. this bike was not like that. I, I was telling somebody, it, it was, the roads were very narrow. One thing they did do is they blocked it so all traffic was flowing in one direction so there were cars on the road but you didn't have to worry about an oncoming car coming around a curve okay um but the roads it was a technical ride uh Mm -hmm. usually if i go up to the gaps i may spend 30 minutes going up nils but then on the downhill for five miles um i can cover it under 10 minutes over 30 miles per hour and my bike was lapping every five miles. And even on the downhill sections, I, th- I think my fastest split might have been a 13-minute five-mile split. So, mm. And I could cover that on like on Chattanooga with, without right. a downhill with just my arrow setup. So right. um, I never felt like I could just really let it rip on, a down- on the downhill there. Mm-hmm. You, mentioned, you mentioned that you, you had a standard uh... – front crank set so 5339 yeah. and then the back you had a really large cassette you had 11 to 34 on the back there yeah. um did you did you beyond that did you still run an aero setup or did you run more of a climbing setup no um i ran my uh, a deep front and a disc I, I went with my normal racing setup and part of me was I, I didn't really debate it much. Uh, I was just like, hey, I'm just going to take my racing setup. It's a race and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I did use tri-bike transport to send my bike over there. And I had to send it over, I think, 24 days before the race. Mm-hmm. Um, I come in. So during those 24 days, I rode my road bike, which does not have the same uh geometry setup as my tri bike right. and that probably took me a week to adapt to and then i felt fine i didn't feel gassed at all on the bike but i felt like on the run coming off i could feel it then it was just like i didn't have the the ability to just feel like okay i'm ready to go run a marathon like it was like this just kind of feels a little bit different like i've used some muscles during this bike that besides climbing for that long that I normally don't use in a a hundred mile bike. Hmm. I see. So, so because you had to send off your bike a little bit early, you maybe didn't get to do like that one last or those two last really big rides. Yeah. Yeah. I I know my last big ride I I was doing on my road bike. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see. I see. Um, Just 
I feel like we jumped all to the bikes. That's probably my fault. But what was the swim like in Nice? Like, what was, I mean, oh, it's not it like two, a downstream. It was two laps, right? <laughs> yeah, There's no downstream was... Chattanooga vibe there, is there? No, no. <laughs> no. And I'm not a swimmer. So that's why I gravitate to Chattanooga. And going into this, this was probably the one section that I didn't apply as much time as I should have. Um, just because, you know, I can bike from a house, I can run from a house. Uh, I didn't have as much time to drive to the pool and put in the and swimming the socks. Time. Yeah, yeah, and swim. Yeah, you just stare at a black and, and that minor but, thing. <laughs> yeah, so I might I might pull a George and not get in the pool anymore. Um, I love that. Yeah, so. George is no longer a triathlete. There's a difference. <laughs> George, you did that. I can't imagine that. <laughs> yeah, it, it it actually it is hard for me to look back on the fact that I was a triathlete and I used to swim as much as I did. But this is not about me. This is about Joseph not swimming. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I didn't swim as, as I did swim. I didn't swim as as much. Um, the water, and and that was, in, was and to be fair to you though, that's in part not just because of of the fact that swimming is terrible, but it's also because. <laughs> Like going to a place logistically, it's harder. I mean, you mentioned yeah. before, like you had to ride your bike out your front door. And of course you're running out your front door because running's awesome. But but if you're going to swim, you can't swim out your front door. You had to go to a gym. You had to actually set that yeah. up, right? And that's been the toughest part, you know, just having a, a toddler running around and, um, you know, with uh, some people like, we just get up early in the morning and go swim and I, I actually felt like with uh work I was getting up and working a few hours before mm -hmm. the toddler got up and mm -hmm. uh so just trying to and then trying to find time in the day to go swim later was a little more difficult and so uh well plus plus two anybody who says oh we'll just get up earlier well you're still leaving the house with the toddler in the house with your wife and so, yeah. so it's it's still a matter of okay, well, well, now I'm I'm leaving my wife entirely to take care of our child, and so so there, there's still kind of that thing. Whoever told you just get up earlier, clearly either they have a self sufficient child or they're still single. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a get. I mean, this that wasn't the battle I was going to fight. You know, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I saw somebody say too, the amount of time you put in to just go a few seconds faster per hundred in the pool is it like astounding. So it's, it's not where you really save not the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's I. One thing I love about triathlon is it, it's all about trying to optimize your training schedule to go the fastest in three disciplines, and the math don't just work out to swim. Um, so that's why you sign up for Chattanooga and just streamline your swim go down the river and uh make doing the other sports and but yeah it's going but, back but, to the but, so this was this wasn't this wasn't Chattanooga. this, this was no in the river. ocean right yeah yeah this was ocean the water was saltier than any ocean i've been in before hmm. um so much so that at the beginning of the bike i was wondering if a lot of people were in a salt deficit early on but i realized that it was just the ocean uh like their clothing dried out because everybody mm. has salt dry gotcha um on them and then so the swim you we went you it wasn't two loops you went out about a half mile cut over a quarter mile came back a half mile and then maybe cut over like a tenth of a mile and made like a m uh diagram okay. okay so um and, and i guess it was pretty 
uneventful for me. Um, just you know, I I started getting the chafing uh, about the second loop of the swim, and so then you start wondering, hey, <laughs> that's a bad like, time to start chafing. Yeah, I was like, gonna say. Swim? I like how you say yeah. the chafing as if chafing like, that early in an Ironman is a normal thing. <laughs> yeah. People, well, you chafe anywhere in it, like places in you've never chafed before. What? But in, you've, but, done, you've done 11 Ironmans and you've chafed on the swim every time? No, no. I was just going to say in an Ironman, you're going to chafe somewhere that you never have before. You're going to get finished okay. the race and look at your body and be like, why do I have a chafe mark there <laughs> on my body? And like, what, what did I do to do this? But Michelle, your question. Yeah. So we were wearing sim, swim scans. So, uh, and even with wetsuits, a lot of times where the Velcro attaches from turning your head, uh, people okay. get chafe marks there on the neck. It looks, I'm, it's referred to as the wetsuit hickey um <laughs> so uh yeah i i felt that starting and and so then your mind goes to like you always hear about the blood attract sharks in the water and i started thinking <laughs> like swimming back in i'm thinking like what kind of wildlife is out in the mediterranean i didn't look this up beforehand like I, if i stay in a pack uh hopefully the, the shark doesn't come for me um so yeah, that that was kind of how where my mind was in the swim. I was not focused. Yes, it was. Okay. So it wasn't this... exactly clear. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, I feel like because it was so like salty, you said, right? It just seemed blue. Like it seemed like the water dropped off, and I'm not sure how deep it was, but it just seemed like very it could have been just for how deep we were looking into the water that was just very blue. It, it was the same clean. Um, so maybe if the ground was closer to us, it would have appeared uh, very clear, but it, it was the bluest water I've ever seen. Does it help with like buoyancy? Like, does it keep mm -hmm. you like, does it that, does. is that yeah. like if you don't? Yeah. So what was mm -hmm. that like? I mean, I feel like that's um, always kind of a, a plus for people going to Kona for a first time sometimes. Yeah, I didn't really notice it in my swim time. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. So, so, all right. So, last question about the swim. Um, uh, it was a, it was a, a deep water start. So, so you didn't run off the beach into the water or anything else like that, right? You were treading water before they actually fired the gun, right? Um, yeah. And and then you actually started in waves as well. I know. And so, so you weren't starting with the whole field all at one time. Um, were you, were you swimming with other people throughout, um, or was it just kind of like a solo time trial? Uh, no, we were swimming with other people. I noticed that a few different caps passed me. Um, mm. I don't think I passed any caps. Um, but I noticed the way, like the other waves were coming past me and, and <laughs> usually I feel like I get popped by somebody. And of course I look over and it's like, different cap than me because of the fast swimmer from a wave mm -hmm. behind me right right very good all right so out of the swim through transition onto the bike and then like you said the bike just climbs straight out the back door is that right so we went about five miles along the coast mm -hmm. and then we took we turned up into the the countryside side and it it went the first maybe five miles of climbing was steep like it wasn't you know in terms of georgia it wasn't like hog pen steep but it was 
uh, steeper than than most of the like it would have been steeper than Neil's or Woody's, and so that happened. And so you're talking about like a at, like a like a seven percent grade then? Yeah, yeah, it was about seven to eight percent mm-hmm. for maybe uh, a half mile, and then it it leveled out, mm-hmm. and and then we went. It, it got to be more like Neil's and Woody's. Were the descents terrifying? Or not really? I saw a bad wreck. And after that, I was like, you know what? I am, I'm, I'm a dad. I like, I'm a dad <laughs> and this is vacation. Like, I'm not winning this thing. Let's get off this mountain safely. So, um, I think Iron Man did a really good job of marking every turn. There was nothing that came like upon me too quick. If I had ridden it two or three times beforehand, I probably would have taken gone faster down it, like taking the curve sharper. But I don't, I, I didn't know what was coming, so I was just like, "Hey, I'm just gonna sit up and not worry about. I'm gonna sit up and watch the scenery on the descents." Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. smart. I yeah. like that approach. <laughs> and so, yeah. so you said that that there were more long sustained climbs than than what you're accustomed to, and certainly than what you've done in the other Ironmans you've done. Um, and then you also said that that when you thought it was going to flatten out, it never really kind of did. You said you kind of felt like you were constantly going up and down the entire time. Is that right? Right. It's it would seem like you were instead of having a roller where you would go, um, but have like a like a a five mile rolling section with that end up being net downhill. It was more of you would have a flat section like downhill for a while. And then you go back to climbing where you were mm. having to like sit up. You couldn't sit in arrow and take it. Gotcha. Gotcha. I see. And then ultimately between all the ups and downs between the 8,000 feet of elevation game, which I didn't realize it was that much, Joe. Jesus, um, and and uh, between all the technicals, all the curves, all that sort of thing, it was one loop. Just one loop. That one was loop. Just maybe a, a. So the one they have in July is just one loop, but mm-hmm. I think that one comes out to maybe a hundred and six miles mm-hmm. or one hundred and five miles. So they had about a three mile out and back that we did okay. to okay. get the full distance. Gotcha. And so put all of those things together and you actually ended up with a bike split that was like an hour slower than what you normally do. Um, talk about that yeah. a little bit, both in terms of why you think that was and in terms of like how whether or how that affected you psychologically getting off the bike and getting ready to run. Um, yeah, so usually for most of my races, I've come in around anywhere from my fastest bike split at Florida. I think I, I did a 445 and then which is pancake um, flat. Yeah, pancake flat. My other other bike splits have been Chattanooga. I usually come in anywhere from 505 to 515. So and I think I've done that race five times. So that's dependent on the weather where I come in. Um I think it was you said six eleven or or longer there. And it just seemed like if, I didn't have an idea of how it was going to go. I know we did a tour uh, the two days before riding from Nice to Monaco and just seeing how steep 
some of the climbs were for out of the city, I, I, I was thinking in my head, hey, this might take me a little bit longer than expected. I really didn't have a time expect, <laughs> expectation of how it's going to I like how you be. say that all chill. This might take me a little bit longer than yeah. expected. <laughs> yeah, I was, I mean, we stayed at the host hotel for the race and they had breakfast served. And so I was chatting with some of the other guys one morning and, and I was saying, man, these, this looks like a, like that 7% section looks steep. Um, I'm, I'm a little worried about this and I was like, Ho- hopefully this 34 tooth rear cassette holds up for me. And two of the guys just looked at me and said, what, what's gearing? And I was kind of like, Oh man, y'all going to be in for a long day. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it did. I don't think it wore on me too much. I, I feel like with a course like this, uh, it was a very similar in terms of like Chattanooga 70.3 worlds the where you had to climb up lookout mountain you stayed up on it for a while then you came back down and so in terms of like hitting a, a target power going up the climbs you really can't do that you kind of have to go more off effort um and and know hey you know there's going to be some spots where i'm going to be coasting this long descent which is interesting usually around chattanooga or another ironman i may come off my normalized somewhere between 230 to 235 watts and i think going up maybe around mile 40 of this one i was sitting around 275 normalized and you're thinking like anybody would say hey that's crazy but it's just like that's what it looks like climbing for three hours. Um, and I mean, if I would have set, set back and said, Hey, I'm going to sit here at two 30, it'd take me forever to make it up the, the, the mountain. So you just climb, try to keep it steady. Don't spike your heart rate. And it was interesting by the time I made it down, um, I was very close to that range. I usually hit. So, um, I, I, part of me was kind of like, I guess I'm ready to run, but I don't think it took a, a mental toll on me. Um, maybe in the sense that, uh, I, maybe Eric said it a few weeks ago on the podcast, but talking about the Blue Ridge, but it's like tough to run when you kind of lose it mentally. So mm-hmm. I guess since I knew I wasn't going to win the race, going out to start the marathon, it wasn't in, in my head like, hey, let's go crush this. Mm-hmm. it's just kind of like this guy passed me on the bike i met him at the start of the swim he was from new york and around mile 80 he passed me and he said i'm gonna run some i'll walk some and finish this thing and i, I was thinking i think you got a plan buddy and i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna do that too <laughs> um so what was the plan on the run um you, i mean you got started a little bit later than expected but what was the plan and what actually happened during the run as far as nutrition i found like to try to take about two gels or take a mile every two gels and then uh about every hour three tabs of salt sticks so that was the plan but uh going out the first loop uh and i usually carry a bottle in my hand just so i can refill it at every a station i've realized that works better for me but hitting the first out the first three and a half miles uh 
it was slightly uphill and I, I just felt gassed at, and um, I was running some, walking some and I, I, I think I finished that first loop uh, right around a nine minute pace and was thinking, man, if this, this decays, I'm going to be out here for a really long time and I did see somebody who like after the first loop, they just walked the whole time. But uh, um, that was the plan. Uh, I guess I felt like I got I got off track um, with it. Uh, you know, took jails when I felt like it, and ran and walked and just tried to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, try not to. I mean. I knew I wasn't running like I wanted to run, but just still try to enjoy it. Um, and, was it hard and, and to enjoy... switch? Sorry, go ahead. Go, go, yeah. Well, I was going to say, was it was it hard to switch that mentality? Like you, you knew how you wanted to run it, but you're gassed on the first loop, but then you were able to switch the mentality to just kind of enjoying where you are and what you're doing. Um, was that a hard like mental switch for you, or are you pretty good at that? Um. For this race, it wasn't hard uh, because I knew I've done the world championship events before. This is the first time doing the Ironman one. And, you know, you you know that you're not going to win the race. And you're no, I knew I wasn't going to be in competition for even like a podium spot there. And so if you kind of go in and this was the the celebration from Chattanooga getting to from having a great race there. This was kind of like the the icing on the cake. So um, you know, I I knew also you had the mentality this is going to be my last full Ironman for a while. So let's just go out and enjoy it and and have fun. And so mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. and part of that Ironman marathon is just about managing the day too. Just even even when things start to go south, just realizing, okay, do I need to stop at my special needs? Like one an interesting aspect about this run. So for an Ironman run, you usually can drop a bag uh, for special needs with more gels, whatever you want to have in it. And for most Ironman races, this is usually around the halfway point. So this was a four loop course. Uh, you could access it at any of your loops you wanted to. But after that one time, you couldn't access it again. So, like, one of the things was thinking every loop, like, okay, how bad am I? Do, when do, do I have everything I still need? When do I need to hit that back? Mm-hmm. All right. So, so I'm interested in kind of your mindset and how you're feeling and how you approach the run. And so, so you, you, you went slower on the run than you normally do. Um, yeah. Um, and, and that's in part because of, of just kind of your attitude going into it. You're like, well, I'm not going to win. And, and this is celebration and, and those things you said, which are all perfectly valid. I, I wonder too, though, you spend an hour longer on the bike than you normally do. And so you were probably a little bit more drained going into the run than you normally are. Yeah. Right. Um, and so did that maybe make it easier for you to be like, you know what? I'm good. I'm just going to kind of run some, walk some on this, on this, this run. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that probably made it uh, easier for me. You know, also the fact that like at the beginning, even at the start, like when I hinted or I said that I didn't feel like riding a different bike for six hours, like Mm -hmm. my muscles were just kind of like, Hey, this feels different. Um, Mm -hmm. 
you know, not I wasn't ready to like come off and and have a great run like I'd had in the previous Ironman. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know, Michelle asked about sort of making that shift. You go from okay, I'm trying to have the best race I can to I'm just sort of celebrating the yeah. day and enjoying the fact that I'm in France, trying to make that shift. And I think it's an interesting question because that is a hard like I I I've never been able to make that shift. Even though there are races where I really should have, I've never been able to make that shift. And there's races where I look back on and I wish I would have made that shift, and I and mm-hmm. I didn't. Um, I I think maybe like it sounds like you kind of made it gradually. Maybe that was helpful. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like it's like you made it starting somewhere around the time that you saw that bike wreck around Mike set mile seventy on the bike. So you had like two hours worth of bike riding, and then you got yeah. on the run. You didn't feel great then. So maybe it was maybe the fact that it was like a gradual decision. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a interesting aspect too. Um, I hadn't really thought of that. I guess when I knew I when things weren't going great, I just tried to enjoy it a little mm-hmm. more. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one thing I I have realized that uh, since becoming a dad, getting married, it makes me I've, even when things aren't going my way. Um, whether it be in a training day or racing, it, I, I found myself just grateful. I still had the opportunity to go out and mm-hmm. do this because part of me wondered, like when I was single, um, hey, is this something I'm going to have to give up? And it's it's kind of like, hey, no, I'm I'm still out here doing this. Um, like let's just be thankful for for what for that opportunity. So yeah, this. I, th- I think cool. you're probably spot on with coming off the bike. Like my mindset had probably already shifted to that, mm-hmm. um, to that idea that mm-hmm. I felt like, yeah, I'm not going to come out here and have like a, a three thirty marathon coming off the bike. Um, mm-hmm. this isn't going to be that kind of day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So your wife was there cheering for you. Um, was she cheering for you in Chattanooga in 2022? She actually did not. Um, so, so, did. and that, and that's kind of what I was getting at. I didn't know the answer to that question, but, and so was this the first time she's actually seen you compete in an Ironman? Cause y'all, y'all actually left your, your one-year-old at home, right? Yeah. So we left, left our daughter with, uh, she throw any parties while you were gone. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, um, who party no, vomit so... party, like what type of parties this one-year-old throw? Oh, sleepless night actually, party. I, I, I don't know. Cause I wasn't invited. <laughs> the, the, the week we left, we left, we took the red eye over on a Wednesday night and she that a stomach bug. It's always like something crazy. <laughs> yeah. The Monday she came down with like a cold where we were like, there she had go. to be put on a nebulizer. And so you're like <laughs> trying to hold her, but the whole time she's coughing and like, you're like trying to turn your head to the side to dodge oh, yeah. the cough. But not and you're really. also like, like if please. you get me sick. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it was like I, whatever you bring home from daycare, I'll take as long as it's in October. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's how it works. <laughs> um, so yeah, so m- my wife actually did see me do our man Chattanooga in twenty twenty one. That was okay. her first time seeing me do one. Um, she she came to the end of Publix this year and saw me at the end of that marathon, which was uh interesting um i was coming down to shoot and i knew i was right on my time goal 
And I, I didn't stop to hug her or anything. It just that. That's a long so, ride back to Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs> but no, th- so this run was great because I did get to see, because of the out and backs, I got to see her about every, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she, she stayed mostly on one end, but we got to see each other uh, a couple of times. Um, the first going out, she didn't get to see me because, like I said, the uh, the top three guys were coming in. The finish line, the finish line area was just packed at mm-hmm. that first loop, so um, everybody was wanting to see those guys finish. So I haven't seen, I haven't attended Cohen. I'm not sure how much the finish line packs out for the people um or the top finishers when they're finishing but i felt like the first half mile the road was pretty much lined with people to see see the top guys finish Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and kona it's a little bit different because the start and the finish aren't at the same they're in the same area but they're not the same place and so you, you don't you don't really totally go down the finish until you're finishing the race right yeah um so yeah, they, they 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 have it set up pretty well actually to where the finish is sort of secluded. Um uh but anyway. Uh so so yeah, so seeing her that was pretty cool. That had to have been cool, right? You were actually able because you were celebrating the race, you were able to 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 Yeah, I did stop and give her a kiss. Uh, <laughs> she got a video of it. I'm sure she loved that being able to put that like on her story on Instagram for yeah, her yeah. friends. Very good. Post race so so you're you're looking back on the race you're thinking about it are you happy with it do you want to do it again yeah i mean yeah i'm happy with it i'm not sure if i want to do another one right now um (laughs) i i guess like even the last loop i knew that hey this was when we talked about me doing this race like one of the things we said hey this will be the last ironman i do till we have older kids um because i want to be around on the weekend so it's just like that last loop just kind of getting to take it all in uh coming down uh the finisher shoot I, yeah i got a little teary-eyed because i was like hey this is this has been part of my life uh i think i did my first triathlon in 2009 my first iron man 2011 um so that was over 12 years i've been doing that uh I, I mean, almost a quarter of my life, a little over a quarter of my life has been chasing, finishing the race. So it was great to, to do that. Uh, but I also felt like it was like the, the time to step away from, from it. So, and, and I, and I feel satisfied in that sense. So I don't feel like there's something left I want to chase. I mean, I still want to, I'm still competitive. I want to do other races, uh, maybe with the neighborhood dads who talked about wanting to do a sprint next year, that'd be fun to go do. But, uh, yeah. And I still, the crap out my, of them. <laughs> I still have my training buddies. It'd be fun to, I mean, it's fun to do races. Uh, I'm not telling you where my races are now because I, I move up the masters and I can't have you come to take those <laughs> masters titles from me. <laughs> That's great. Um, <laughs> So what will you spend your time like your where will you get your endurance uh, athlete like adrenaline rush from? Like, what do you think? Where will we find you throughout the winter? Um, and kind of what's next? Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably revert into running form a little bit. Uh, you know, when I finished the race, I wasn't signed up for anything. And I think 
the Tuesday or no, the day after the race, Boston registration opened and I submitted my time and realized I missed the cut by eight seconds. So oh. <laughs> I, I, okay. I kind of feel like, uh, sorry, well, bad question. I, <laughs> yeah. I, um, so no, I, some of the guys who I, so yeah, running, cycling, I've, just I've started a marathon. Hi- just a yeah, marathon. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, We've been picking 5Ks, 10Ks that my wife will go push the stroller in. I'll run and then come back to her. And usually they end at a brewery afterwards and we try to meet up with some friends and make it social. Uh, I started riding in a, a shot ride on Tuesday nights. Uh, but no, it was, I'll still be riding and running, probably not as much swimming. But yeah, oh, that's, that's what I'll be doing. <laughs> um very good. Awesome. But 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 no big targets just yet. I don't ha- no, I don't have any any targets right now. Um I need my bank account to recover after this trip. I but, bet. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I, I haven't you know, I, the only thing that I, I really want to do is see your way is Augusta next year, mm-hmm. the seventy point three. Okay. So very yeah. good. Very good. Well, Joseph McLeod, we appreciate your coming on to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast and telling us all about your experience at the 2023 Ironman World Championship in Nice, France. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Michelle, appreciate you being here. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast, on Twitter at pleasant podcast, on Instagram at most pleasant exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Be sure to share us with your friends. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at ElementalAltitude.com, on Instagram at ElementalAltitude, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ElementalAltitude. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at HighEchelonCPA.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.